The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Back to the short game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two excellent co-hosts, Lauren Ash and Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about Tunic. Uh, Tunic came out earlier this year, and I really, really wanted to play it then. And in fact, I believe Laura jumped right on it right after it released, and I've been I did about how for great once. It was. <laughs> yeah. What, what made you, know, you jump straight on it, Laura? So I heard. There's a game that's kind of like Fez and Zelda and Dark Souls. And I was like, don't know what Dark Souls means, but Fez and Zelda, I'm in. It's cute. It's on Game Pass. I'm going to try this. Uh, And I also heard dumps you in with no information. And it's a the game itself is a puzzle. Like, how could you make a game more appealing to me than like dropping Zelda and puzzle and Fez? Because... I don't think there's been a game like Fez since Fez came out. Yeah, I never I, I never got far enough in Fez to really have like a connection when people have been comparing this game to Fez, but the the puzzle angle of this I think definitely is is what people were comparing, not the platforming or action or anything like that, right? Yeah, and I cannot stress enough how much Saying this was, you know, cute souls or like Dark Souls light meant nothing to me as someone who's played nothing in that category. Um, that was the medicine I was taking to get the Zelda and Fez. So that was what got me to play it. I I picked this back up um, recently. Um, I, I, Laura had finished it or come very nearly to finishing it long ago and set it aside. Um it came up, I, I spotted it on Game Pass and I had downloaded it and I, I just thought, hey, my son would like watching this because he's a big fan of cute foxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that he was a big fan of watching this. He really likes it. Uh, in particular, um, you know, this is a game that drops you in, I already said, with pretty much no information. Um, seeing this through the eyes of a five-year-old is particularly interesting because he truly has no information. This is a game that's very heavily laden with meta references to early gaming experiences like Zelda and in particular, like the experience of a CRT uh, TV and a, like a paper manual uh, where you, where you take notes. And I mean, specifically, I feel like this is drawing on a feeling that most people who played video games when we were kids of our era, um, which is the feeling of playing a video game that you don't completely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before we get totally into talking about the nitty gritty, I did want to talk briefly about the development history here because I have a little bit of background. Um, you know, this guy, the the developer, Andrew Scholdice, um, started working on this in 2015. I played it at a show in 2016. Um, And I didn't realize that it was this because the name changed uh, until I started playing this. And I was like, oh, this is Secret Legend. Um, Secret Legend was the title this originally was going by. And he took it to a lot of shows way back in 2015, 2016. Um, And it was very much the like what I played. The demo was very much the first level of this. But I believe the combat was significantly different, much more Zelda-y. I think that the Dark Souls-iness of it 
um, came later, or at least wasn't obvious um, in the. When you launch the- this, it's worth mentioning. It still is called Secret Legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like really the, trying the to figure out like why yeah. is it called this? So I didn't realize that that was like an old title or something. Yeah, it's like a working title. I don't know if yeah. they had to change it for um for like copyright reasons or something. But honestly, I think Tunic is a much better title than Secret it's Legend. So much more easy to Google. My God. Yeah, Secret Legend is a. It sounds really generic. It's like I get what they would been what he would have been going for with that. Um, but like Tunic is, it's like there's something something cute about that it draws attention to the cuteness of the fox and the fox's little outfit which is very cute mm-hmm. <laughs> um it doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on the on the like content of the game it's not like you're like seeking the lost mysterious tunic or something and as far as i know tunic isn't the name of the character it just happens to be what they're wearing i guess mm-hmm. so it's a it's a weird choice of title but somehow it really fit i liked it a lot and when this came out, I uh, I didn't immediately jump on it, mostly because I knew it was going to be a longer one. Um, but it released back in, uh, oh, let's see here. What one was this? Um, March 16th of this year. And it came out as a, it launched on Game Pass. This was one that like, I'd been following um, this game's development for a while. Um, and I was really disappointed when I found out it was going to be a, uh, an Xbox exclusive. You know, there was a deal made between the developer and, uh, Microsoft where they announced, I think it was in 2018 and they had him on stage at a big, uh, you know, one of the big Xbox conferences and announced that it was going to be an exclusive to the Xbox. Uh, but fortunately it actually launched on game pass both PC and Xbox, which meant I had an easy way to play it. It's also on Steam. I played it on the Steam Deck where it was an excellent game for the Steam Deck. Um, and it looks like it is coming a little l- later this month uh, to PlayStation 4 and 5. So we have an excuse for covering it now. Yes. And you mentioned this is a little longer than we normally cover. So it's you know 12 hours for the main story according to how long to beat um, up to 22, if you're doing the complete route. Um, I think that it's still worth talking about. And the reason I was so excited to talk about it is because like, I think it has really cool things that respect your time. But I also think that's a little wild that I'm saying this game that tells you no information up front respects your time. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what you uh, what you mean by that. Because- so I have defense. I've mounted my defense, <laughs> but I wanted to hear from you too. Like, what were your initial impressions? How did you feel getting dropped into this game? Personally, I did not really care coming into this game if it was going to respect my time or not. Mainly because, you know, A, it was on Game Pass. Uh, I wasn't investing, like, cash into mm-hmm. it. B, we are... I picked it up in the middle of us starting um, the double episode on um, on Immortality. Immortality, yeah. So I knew I had a lot of time. And I, I wasn't actually planning to play it for the show. I know, Laura, had, had you mentioned it a, a bunch of times, but we had kind of written it off as being too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I really just sort of picked it up and and kind of stuck with it. Well, first off, because I was really enjoying it. And as I mentioned, because my son was really liking watching it. And um, so as I got into it, I really do think this game um, qualifies for kind of our oeuvre. Um, But, you know, it's worth mentioning that it is a bit longer. Um, I think what what we look for in games when we say we want a game that respects your time... We're looking for a game where the time you spend with it is um, spent 
wisely and you feel like you're um you're that the game is being generous with you and what it gives you for that time so mm-hmm. um there's there's different kinds of games and games have lots of different structures like for example a game can be very open-ended uh in terms of how you invest time into it and uh and and it can either be incredibly generous with what it gives you in exchange for that time like the experiences the you know the the challenge and so on or it can be kind of stingy or there's also games that are very linear where they can respect your time or not so the you know so this one it's non-traditionally linear i would say like it's a very it's a linear game um but it feels very open in in the same way that something like an early zelda feels uh where you know you you have these moments where you're thinking like okay god i'm going to have to fucking backtrack across this entire map to get back to this or that thing but the maps and everything is so tightly designed and full of these little backtracks and shortcuts that whenever you have made it through some piece of it and you get to that point where you're like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm fed up with this. I, I know I can beat this challenge over here, or I've got a, a new idea that I can try some other part of the map. Um, or, you know, I've just beaten this area and I want to go to that area. Um, the odds are it's going to take you a lot less time than you thought to, to get back around. Um, cause as you close these loops, uh, this is kind of the souls element. I think, uh, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a few soulsy elements, but the level design is very soulsy and that it's full of these really tight loop backs that are just an incredibly satisfying design. There's some, the, it's, it's very obvious why people love that in the souls games. And it's so, it's so well done here with the art style and the isometric presentation. And I think that's absolutely essential because this game starts you off with truly nothing. You're a fox, you wake up on the beach, you have no idea where to go, what to do, there's no instructions. <laughs> there's not even a manual at this point. You start collecting pages of a manual out of order as you play the game, but then that manual is not in English. There's very little text in English. It's not in any existing language you know. The interface isn't explained, the controls aren't explained. And if you're going to be in the wilderness, the game needs to be generous and fair. Um, I think the other thing... I really appreciate it in this generosity is that like whenever you get a new item, if it's going to be consumable, they give you a ton of it. Like it's, it's, it's very generous. Um, But I think for me, the thing that made it even better is it's the tightness also meant that there's not a lot of repetition. Um, There's not a lot of waste. Um, And that's what made it feel spiritually short because if you get to a new area, it's going to be completely different and it's going to be rad <laughs> and it's going to be surprising because, and, and and then you're going to find a new control you've never had and a new movement mechanic and mm-hmm. it's just going to keep going. So that's what felt cool is that um, you were surprised continuously, but then it wasn't like, and now there's 10 hours of that surprise. It's like, then there's an hour of that surprise and you go on to the next thing. Um, we're trying to skirt around some spoiler stuff here, but what I, what I think surprised me most about this game was that it kept, it kept finding ways to give you new things that you could do that you could have done from the start if you knew to, to look for them or knew to try them. Um, so like certainly there are things where you like find a new weapon and wow, I've got a new weapon or you get a new ability that's, you know, you pick up an object, but some of the things like these, you know, hidden paths and hidden abilities are 
are just things that you start the game with uh, that once you discover that they are there, you get this incredible sense of like, aha, now I can go and re-explore some of that space that I was going through before and get through faster or try new things that I wasn't able to do before. It's really full of those weird little discoveries. And it's amazing that this game was able to like keep some of that stuff quiet. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I, I was really um, pleased. We're going to be careful about spoilers here, um, but I was, I was really pleased about some of that stuff that I hadn't been spoiled on. I have some examples that we can talk about for that. And that's really ties back to the, um, the vibe of early video games, early video games often were full of secrets. And those secrets were usually very, very commonly. Those secrets were things like, well, if you walk against this wall, you know, it's not really a wall. It looks like a wall. You can walk right through it. Uh, we haven't really talked that much about the art style and I'm sure we will. Oh, yeah. We need to back to up and talk here. about that stuff, but go ahead and um, complete your thought. But the, the, it has this isometric art style that really, lends itself to hiding things simply by putting them behind other things. Um, This is a fully 3D game, uh, but it's presented in a very flat, like isometric angular way. And the game is absolutely chock full of these little blind corners. And if you were to just try them all, you will find tons of stuff, tons of secret ways around through the level. Um, and and the way that the levels are designed, it tends to also just sort of show you those as a way also to backtrack your way out. So, you know, you, you complete a little loop and you're like, oh, I'm back where suddenly I'm back where I started. And it turns out the way through here was open all along. The exit path is a shortcut you've never seen before. And I think another thing I really love is that there are some things that you look at and you're like, what is this? I have no idea what this is. And I and you could just ignore that beginning of the game and eventually you learn what it does and it's very cool. But there's also things, it's not like playing some Metroidvanias where there's clearly like a tidy path at some point on the map that you're like, I'm going to get a small mode and be able to go through this tunnel. Like there's none of that. Like the secrets are a little bit more hidden than that. So they're a bit more surprising. Yeah. It's not so much that you like run into a blue door and you know, at some point you're going to find the blue key or something. It is, it is very like more mysterious. I don't think you unlock any movement mechanics. Do you You do? You do. What am I missing? But there are. <laughs> we'll talk about it in the spoiler section. There are a couple. Oh um, yes, yes, there are. Never mind. Yeah, there are a couple of those. That's true. But 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 it's not like again. It's not as if you. They're not telegraphed. Um, mm-hmm. They are a little bit coy about what things do, and I think that's really it. it it's fun to have something that's mysterious, um, and it makes the next manual page, the next aha moment feels so cool because suddenly like half the world is now activated. So you talked a little bit earlier about the very beginning of the game. Um, well, before we get into the, like the, what happens in the beginning of the game, like first impressions on the visuals are really, really strong. Shane mentioned the isometric perspective, mm-hmm. but like this is a, this is a really gorgeous game. Um, the little Fox is very, very cute. It has a, um, uh, I don't know quite what to call this style because it's not um it's pretty detailed but also it has pretty simple shapes. Uh I now, I I, ref- I wrote in I, I was trying to define it. I think it's like a like a vinyl toy. Like 
I could like see a, that, yeah. a really detailed toy action figure. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's not too far off to just compare it. This is, you know, a bit reductive, but like if you've played the uh, Link, uh, Link's Awakening remake on the Switch that has the sort of toy like look mm-hmm. and the like tilt shifted miniature. Because this used tilt it. shift as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little less extreme than that. It doesn't do quite as much of the tilt shift. Um, and uh, it doesn't quite feel quite as much like a little like miniature diorama but it has that same kind of vibe and it's also just so incredibly bright and cheerful looking at least for most of the areas that it it like really drew me in with its visuals it's just a very compelling looking game and you know you you if you've played a zelda game you immediately look at this cute little fox in his outfit that is absolutely a zelda cause or a Mm -hmm. link cosplay uh excuse me all the real gamers and um (laughs) It's uh, it, it immediately draws you in and tells you like what kind of game this is. And that's not entirely true. There are elements to this that you have, will have seen in zero Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely there to like say, hey, you, you like you like the Zelda series, right? How would you like it if it was cuter? And like, that's the first impression is like, this looks like a really, really cute Zelda. Um, it, it, after not very long, you start peeling back other layers there that, that aren't, yeah. uh, aren't immediately obvious though. I also really like that Zelda hint because it gives you hints towards the gameplay. And like, there's some really cool stuff with color, especially like that neon purple, bright pink, unnatural stuff. But like, I, I like coming into a game that looks a little like a Zelda because it teaches you the game vocabulary. And when you're in an unknown world, it's nice to have a starting place. The style, I would say, is very comparable to like Zelda Link Between Worlds. The fact that it's isometric makes it very similar to that kind of tile-based design. Hmm. Uh, But artistically, it's I think, has a lot to do with the low-poly art design trend, where you've got, uh, you know, extremely you know, fairly few polygons involved. Um, the, the Fox in particular, uh, you know, you compared him to a vinyl toy. Like he is very toy. Like, and much of this game is extremely toy. Like, by the uh, way, did we think, do we think it was a, he, because, uh, I, my initial impression was he, and then, uh, my daughter informed me that the Fox was a girl named Wednesday. Uh, I didn't realize. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Wednesday. The, the Fox is anything we want the Fox yes. to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, very project on toable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the, the little, the little Fox is, is super adorable. Um, and I mean, very, um, like little teeny tiny hands and feet and like big head. Uh, just, just a super, a super cute. How do he hold that sword? How do he, (laughs) um, the, the world around him though is super, I'm sorry, her is, uh, (laughs) like varies in its level of detail. Like, but it has that kind of made of blocks chunkiness, um, that works really well in isometric design. Um, the, the, the levels are also very subtly like tilt shifted, especially when you get to places where you can do the zoom out, um, that makes this whole thing feel like a tiny toy diorama. Mm -hmm. And then there's this one other element that I thought was just really nice looking and cool. I don't know if when you, when you're reading the manual, which is a whole other artistic style, Mm um, the, when you when you're when you're reading the manual it's like it 
it mimics the the view of like holding a, a physical book and you're like turning the pages. If you press in the right stick, the manual like is like put down so that you can see that behind the manual is a CRT television um, on which you are seeing the game through kind of a CRT filter. So it's like you have, it's literally like you have paused to read the manual. And um, the, I mean, I, I'll just say now the manual itself is a beautiful work of art. Like every page of the manual is very lovingly illustrated with. I want a physical copy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's such a cool manual. Like if you could have, if you could have included it as like a pack in with the game without spoiling everything, the entire game. <laughs> which would spoil the entire game. Yeah. Um, then it would have been an incredible like physical manual to pack in. But as is like, yeah, you basically have to have completed the game otherwise. Yeah. But um, Laura, would you set up the manual? Cause I think that's another thing. It's like a huge aspect to this that we haven't really explained how it works as part of the game here. Yes. So as you, are moving through this world, uh, you're going to see kind of little uh, beacon pixels, for lack of a better word. And when you walk into them, you collect a new manual page. And these are pages that are collected completely out of order. So you might get page 10 and then 50 and 2. But as you're going through, the the manual will be uh, collected in order. So you can at any time pick up all of the pages, you know, as if you've put them in order and they're flipping through them. I was in this manual all the time because I was doing a lot of optional side puzzles and trying to figure out the language and all of that nonsense because that's the way I play games, apparently. Um, the other thing about the manual is someone before you has written in the manual. Mm-hmm. So there's annotations. There are things that are crossed out. There are things that are circled. There are things that are starred. Um, those annotations are very interesting. So there's just been this long running joke among gamers of the uselessness of the notes sections in these manuals. These manuals were like kind of gatefold page, like center staple bits of paper. Mm-hmm. And they would always have like this, odd number of pages so they would have these couple of pages at the end that were just like they would say notes and it would basically just be a blank page so that they didn't have to have to print but the fact that they included that here and used those pages as a way to convey some really uh salient puzzle information notes from who who took these notes if (laughs) if you are going to try to do the language from scratch without help from the internet, which I, I did for a while. And then we haven't talked about the language that the puzzles or that the, uh, the manuals written. Most of the manual, for example, the manual have a page called help hints and clues. And then the whole page is in indecipherable glyphs, (laughs) (laughs) but it'll have pictures and it'll have colors. So like after a while you can kind of intuit what it means. Like, oh, I see this picture and I see this color coding and it says three keys and it has a bunch of foreign language. So like I can figure out that kind of means this. Like once you get to a place that it's useful, you have a 70% chance of figuring that out. Um, in the game Fez, which I referred to earlier, um, the language was character substitution was letter substitution. And at some point in the game, there was a level you could get to, and there was an animation of a fox jumping back and forth over a dog next to a sentence, like on a sign with a full sentence in Fez. And if you trans, if you wrote the quick brown fox jumps over lazy dog, it 
perfectly mapped one to one, and from that you got the alphabet, and you could translate the entire game at the That's moment. cheating. <laughs> I hate to tell you, there is nothing like that in Tunic, and there is nothing at no point do you play enough of the game that the the manual translates itself. Yeah, when I began playing, I was really expecting eventually to come, like, to find a, I don't know, magic glasses or a nope. magic, uh, you know, a, a spyglass or something to, like, translate the manual. And that does yeah. not exist in this game. You You just have to deal with not understanding the words. After I got a page in the notes that helped me understand how complex the language was, I realized I was not going to be deciphering it on my own. Your mileage may vary, but just um, just know it's not letter substitution. Do not waste your time, please. Um, it's also really complex looking. It's hard to tell if you were, even if you were trying to treat it as letter substitution, it's hard to tell where one character begins and the next ends. Um, you can sometimes recognize certain words there mm-hmm. are ways to like, like, you know, there were certain squiggles that I realized like corresponded to a particular um, item or mechanic because uh, they're used as labels some mm-hmm. places. And that is helpful, um, but it's still really difficult <laughs> to do. And even just for the very basics, fortunately, you don't need, um, you know, this game does have some pretty deep puzzles, um, but you don't need to understand the language the manual is written in at any point. You can you can infer puzzle solutions without it. You don't actually need it. It's a cool thing to exist in the game. And if you're the sort of person who wants to do that, like full, um, you know, arrival uh, experience of like trying to translate this alien language with zero context, um, you can do it. And that's a cool puzzle, uh, but it's optional. And even even if you are the puzzle solving type you don't need to do that i had really fun getting to the aha moments about the language which i won't spoil that i did and then i realized that i was not gonna finish this puzzle like but i i think it is fun to hear more about that after the spoiler break it is fun to get to that moment and then i was like and now if i want to i will look up because i i'd solved i had the um i had the aha moment and realized from then on it was going to be a lot of computation (laughs) i wasn't going to do a lot of work yeah, a lot of work. I had the inside. I didn't want to do the labor. I um, had a similar kind of feeling about some of the late game puzzles, which I eventually decided to look up solutions to. I will I will admit that here publicly. Yeah. But the other thing that I think is awesome about the manual that I want to say before we move on is there's a map you get fairly early on. You have a little – I found out talking to a friend who was early game. You have a little – they didn't see this. There's a fox head telling you where you are on the map. Yeah. And and some folks don't see that for a while, but it's illustrated and it moves with you. And that it took me a long t- time to notice that too. And it's it, there are many map pages in the manual, and so you can go to areas that you don't have maps for yet, and that's a really cool and kind of scary experience. Um but then when you do collect that page, then you see your little little fox head pop up there in the manual. But you you know, you might need to flip around. You might need to flip away from your map in order to go look at other information in the manual. It's kind of a cool thing. It's not like the game has a map screen exactly. It's just yeah. part of this larger thing. The illustration of that ma- of that map is one of the best pieces of art in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also full of little details that'll help you find secrets if you if you examine it very closely and carefully and and see things including some where the previous owner of the game has like 
you know, used ballpoint pen to mark some secrets that clearly they had found, which I Mm -hmm. love. For me, this whole experience of the manual really reminds me of the kind of game manual experience. I I just want to kind of think back to one of the game manuals that I had when I was a kid uh, that I remember the best, which is probably the manual for Sonic 3. Um, The manual for Sonic 3, I I went and looked at it recently. Um, If you are a gamer today, you don't know what these manuals were were really like like they would start off with instructions on how to handle the cartridge and how to turn your console on and telling you things like don't you know don't pull this game out and then they would have things like a diagram of the controller and then the complete life story of all of the characters (laughs) and the names of every unnamed bad guy and and all kinds of stuff would be in there And they would be full of like tips and tricks. People look back at the games from when we were kids. And, you know, you look back at a game like Sonic or, uh, you know, Super Mario World. And these games are just deep and very thick with with overlapping mechanics, right? Like, how does someone who who doesn't know that Mario can hold a button to pick up a shell that, you know, is... Under certain circumstances, you know, if you knock the Koompa out of the shell that you can pick up the shell and then throw the shell, like it's kind of complicated. It's a complicated mechanic and there's no tutorialization in these games of that era. And the reason is it all came in print. It had to be printed out and listed in these manuals. And for stuff like Sonic, like, you know, the, the, the use of all the individual different shields, the fact that you could like double hit the jump button and get a momentary special shield. Like there's these little tiny mechanical details that you would never find if you weren't reading the manual. And what I love is the way that this game takes that experience and uh, obscures it further and Mm -hmm. says like, Hey, you can't read. Um, uh, this this should be enough that many of our generation may have had looking through the manuals to Sonic games or other but can you figure it out from the infographics the notes and like one or two Mm -hmm. words of english Mm -hmm. is can you intuit it and then like there's nothing like in this game when you get a manual you've been trying to do something and you get a manual page and you finally figure out like it's the second half of the sentence that from the previous page, yes. or there's a, a drawing that makes it clear. And you're like, Oh man, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Like, that's what this game is all about. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil anything, but one of the most, the most satisfying thing for me in this game um, is the, the way that this game is made is it's, it's there to give you just enough guidance and information for you to intuit something and figure it out on your own which is to me the core of a really great puzzle game. You know, if if you it reminded me of my experience playing Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds has a similar like not not manual but the ship computer was very very key in like giving you just enough information to put you on the threshold of discovery. And 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 when you get there, you get the the next clue for the next puzzle. Um I had this experience where I was in this game and I was like, you know, I keep seeing these doors um, and I won't spoil any of the puzzles, but there's a puzzle related to these doors. I wound up solving that puzzle without literally any clues that it, you're supposed to get for it. And this mm-hmm. is a very obscure element in the game. This is a game that, and 
So, um, like there are, there are these moments where you are able to intuit and figure something out in a way like, you know, I bet they put something around that corner. I bet doing X, Y, Z will do something. And like, it's full of moments like that where every like experience you have informs your next inference and your next leap of logic and your next like step. And it does that on top of a really satisfying, like uh soul's light uh, kind of experience that. So it's such a synergy. This definitely belongs in our games about games list because it's mm-hmm. asking you to tap into the intuition built on playing lots of games. This is inspired from and, doing something a little more with it off it, like, like doing a little twist. Uh, it's very aware of game tropes and the vocabulary. Like you'll see a waterfall. You know what to do with a waterfall from playing. If other you games. see a waterfall in a video game and there's not a treasure chest behind it, you should send that developer straight to jail. Right. But like, it also does this in terms of like there, I know there's a mystery here worth my time. I'm not sure if I can solve it now or not. Like that, that sense is something they build very carefully into the game. So like, you know, you're not wasting your time. Things are clearly mysterious objects. You should, you know, you might need later. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's good to know that. Cause like, there's a lot of games that are beautiful and have a lot of, um, you know, what you call an escape room, like just a red herring. Like you're spending a lot of time on something and it's not like tunic, if it's mysterious, it's going to be a mystery. There's a mystery there to solve. So I want to talk a little bit more about some of the combat side of this because you know, Laura recommended this game and she is the puzzle person on the podcast. And I knew this game was something that had a lot of, you know, cute Fox exploration. And I knew a little bit about the fact that it had this mysterious language. So I was like, well, of course, um, Laura is going to want to play that. She she loved Fez. She's going to want to do the the language stuff. I, I'll say that's probably why we didn't play it is because Reagan generally hates puzzles. But I do, well, but I everyone was talking puzzles. about the combat in this in this game, and you were like, yeah, "Why the, are you playing?" You were like, "Why time, is Laura playing this game?" I was Everyone's talking about how it's difficult. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't think you can handle difficult games, Laura. Clearly, you can. But um, you know, I often that's not Rob. what I go for. Yeah, yeah, it's not necessarily what you're there for, and um. When I was coming to it, like I remembered that the discourse early on had been like, wow, this game is way too hard. A lot of people, I think, were drawn in by the very cute art style. Um, and some of them bounced off of this game due to the combat, which is understandable because, like, you know, the, the sort of souls like combat this is inspired by uh, is usually found in games with kind of like a, a dark and gloomy aesthetic. Um, and so if you're primarily drawn to the cutesy aesthetic that this sort of matches up with, you may not have played games like like this before or like that feature this style of combat. Um, and I don't play a ton of them either, but like actually the combat is really what drew me in on this one. Um, the, when I first started playing it immediately, just like the basics of like the top down running around hitting things with initially a stick and then a sword, um, you know, one, two, three swipe combos, the, uh, the dodge roll that you get very early on, or maybe from the beginning, um, all of that stuff just felt natural to me. You have it from the beginning, but you don't know you have it. (laughs) Like so many things in this game. Yeah. You have to kind of figure out that it's there. I think I figured that one out pretty early, but, but, um, it's, it's got like a really, really good 
set of combat mechanics. And it does consistently add on to them with little twists that are interesting. Um, I was reminded a lot of other vaguely Souls-inspired games that I've really loved. I was reminded of Hollow Knight. Um, it has this uh, this sort of mechanic where you collect these little chits or tokens or cards or something that represent different abilities that you can equip and you can only equip a certain number of them at the same time. And there are some synergies between them, very similar to the like tokens or pins or whatever they're called in Hollow Knight and other games that have this similar mechanic, but it's something that I really like. Um, you know, you collect uh, various uh, like magic weapon type items that you use and you can equip them to any button. So you get a lot of customization. So you can, you know, your, uh, your X or, you know, uh, a on the Xbox controller button is always your uh, dodge roll, but all three other buttons, you can decide what to equip to them, whether it's your sword on any of the three buttons or any of the three buttons can be, you know, the uh, various different magic weapon type items that you pick up throughout the game. Uh, and there are even synergies between the items and that you can discover and lots of really like crunchy stuff. And it also starts off really hard um, but it's all about studying the enemy's movements. So they all have very predictable move sets. They all telegraph their attacks to some degree or other. Um, it's all about like observation, spacing, uh, knowing when you can safely hit, when, when you can punish an enemy for, for taking a swing at you that they miss. Um, so a, a lot of people just said, Hey, this is a souls like type of game. And, and that is true. I think. Um, but even if you're not a Souls-like type of gamer, uh, I think this one has the the combat in this really drew me in in a way that I, th- I think it, I think you could draw in anyone who likes action uh, action adventure. Um, and there are some hard parts, but like it it gives you the tools that you need. I didn't know what Souls like meant. I've heard people talk about it, and I just it, it's like white noise uh, when it's yeah, it's one of those terms that like it it it's like roguelike where it actually means a whole collection of not necessarily related mechanics when people talk yeah. about it. But this has most of them. But, but for me, a thing that was appealing was so I charged in. Looks like a Zelda game on the ten. Charged in like what are you doing, Zelda? You run at things and hit them with the sword. That is a recipe for dying. And in this game, when you die, you um, turn into a ghost at that spot, you reactivate the shrine and you can go back and, um, you know, blow up your body. If you get back there, you get your yeah, money very back. Very similar to your bonfires and souls. Yes. Which I, you know, but I think what to me I enjoyed about the combat was it felt like another puzzle. Like it, there was a rhythm to the fights and you have to study and, you need to know not to like how to sneak in to not trigger all of the enemies at once so that you can get them one at a time. Cause if like all the crocs attack you, it's a bad time. <laughs> Those um, <crocs. laughs> um, but it's that kind of like, it's the puzzle part of combat that I enjoyed because it wasn't so tough that I, you know, I also didn't have to kill every beast. Um, I understand for people who play Dark Souls, this is very elementary, but for me, this was an introduction. Like, it felt akin to the other puzzles. That's a really good way of putting it that I honestly wouldn't have thought of, but you're right. It does have that sort of puzzle-like angle to the combat, and that that is probably the thing I liked best about it, too. This feeling of, like, you have to experiment with the enemies and learn how to defeat them easily. Like, they're tough to beat if you just charge in, but you you, you can you can uh, exploit their various weaknesses or even just sort of basic behaviors to to get the upper hand. 
My friend Nikki at work also was like, there are major cheese strats for all the bosses. And I was like, Much excellent. She's like, some of them she found. And I was like, that's what I'm here for is like, but because if you find them yourself, you're like, it's not cheesing if you're smarter than the boss. <laughs> yeah. One thing I have learned from the Souls community is that cheesing the big bosses is simply part of the experience that is to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there is a no-fail mode, by the way, you can turn off if you really are having trouble with a boss and it's not fun anymore, and you're there for the puzzles, you can turn on a no-fail mode. Mm-hmm. That's, That's nice. all part of the generosity here. Like, I, 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 I love that they make this like approachable version of of the sort of combat you expect from a game that's using these genre conventions. Um, they they have hit what I think is a really nice approachable but hard level of difficulty right off the bat. Um, they give you ways where you can like um, like cheat or cheese your way through. Uh, they give you a difficulty option to turn everything off. Like it's 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 very friendly. And one of the things I really like here is like it, the way it all you kind of compared the combat to a puzzle like it's part of the um, the manual experience as well. Like mm-hmm. the the combat mechanics are actually very well documented, even though, though you're kind of only getting a few English words in there. Like I found some elements that I saw in the manual very helpful. Like it's um, there's the uh, in in a Dark Souls inspired thing. One of the mechanics that's really common is for your dodge roll uh, to be really important because of the iframes that it gives you and like different builds and invincibility frames. Yeah. So as you, when you're, when you hit the dodge button, you become invincible for, you know, usually the first bit of your, of your dodge, which means that the combat's really different from a lot of games where you're, you usually you you're dodging to get out of the way of an attack. And in a, a, a souls game, often you're dodging through an enemy attack because you're using the dodge to kind of get those, few frames worth of invincibility and they really they kind of without really making it too obvious they tell you and then in explicitly in the manual they tell you what to look for there's a cloud of dust from your character rolling on the ground that appears only during the invincibility frames and they point it out to you and like first off that's a that's a, something i don't think i've seen in any of the games that take the yeah, last that's a really clever souls. convention yeah and on top of that, to integrate that into like all these other tied together elements of the game and like show it to you. And even that, it's in a really beautifully complex way related to things like your um so your dodge uses your stamina. Stamina bars are a big element in Souls like games. Um your health, like if your health is above a certain threshold, you do get your invincibility. If your health is below a certain threshold, you don't. If you're if your stamina is high, you'll take less damage. If your stamina is low, you'll take more damage. And all of this stuff is like actually fairly complex and very relevant in the moment when you're fighting the bosses especially. But um, it's obscure at first. And then as you collect these manual pages and do your best to decipher them, you're able to learn about these very complex mechanics that you're engaging with. I really, really like the way it does that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. So we're talking about how you learn more about combat, but also as you go, uh, you do get some movement mechanics and like it felt very Metroid-y because the way you move through spaces really changes. Um, so new spaces act very different from older spaces and you can 
you know, transform the world very quickly. And I think that I was not expecting that extra layer. Uh, I will not say more than that because it's a spoiler, but it's uh, not only are there shortcuts, but there's also new movement. And I think the more you find in this game, the more you're like, oh, that's here too. <laughs> like, I think I kept having like, oh, it's got one of these. Didn't know one <laughs> of these would be here. Um, so it's a game that feels very dense considering the number of branches it spun out in. Um, it was very, I wasn't having one of these every three hours. I was having one of these every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dense. <laughs> Yeah, you can really tell that this game, this is, I mean, I mentioned at the top, this game was a pretty long in development and, um, but like, you can really tell that like a huge amount of that was polish. This was playable in some form in 2016 and he was showing it publicly and they spent five additional years polishing and there is just so much polish on this thing. It is, it, it is absolutely shining on every facet. It's incredible. The last thing I want to get into before we start spoiling stuff is... Um, I want to hear your spoilers. Let's get to it. Uh, I think the soundtrack's rad because this is the other right. thing I compare it to Fez is like, if you're going to be sitting there with a manual open for 10 minutes or like sitting there trying to solve a puzzle on a piece of paper, the soundtrack better be good. It's and great. This one it came up on my Apple Music recommendations page, and I was like, "Wow, y'all have me pegged." But uh, <laughs> the the soundtrack is great. It's it's, I mean, it's also like very. I I'm a big sucker for music that's kind of like chill and instrumental. Like that's yeah. A, once once the sun sets, that's pretty much all I listen to. So very very good. Yeah. And the titles of the soundtrack do not tell you what parts of the game they map to. Um, someone on Reddit has done the mapping so that there are no spoilers in the soundtrack listing. Well, that's good. Yeah. Sometimes I worry about that. Cause like you'll get a, um, you'll get a, uh, uh, a soundtrack title. That's like final confrontation. Your enemy wasn't dead. He has returned. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay guys yeah. thanks. <laughs> kind man's betrayal yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you might see a track of like amphibian assault but like uh-huh. surprise attack on the bridge <laughs> yeah they won't say anything like that um it reminds me of um, michael giacchino who is a composer for film and tv will only put pun names in all of his tracks oh, that's good. so like <laughs> he'll be talking about like a death on lost and the the title of the track is like a terrible pun and you're like Giacchino, <laughs> come on. These aren't punny. They're just obscure. Like everything else in this game. Anything oh, else you want to cover before we uh, spoil people? Yeah, let's spoil the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do it. So um, before we do head to spoiler breaks, uh, just to just to wrap things up for the folks who may be hopping off here, uh, I think we all strongly recommend this game. Um, you know, I was glad that we got a little extra time to put into it. Um, we're recording a little late in the week later than we normally would because this took me about 20 hours Uh, i did all of the things uh, but i cheated on some of the final puzzles so use that as your guide i would say that if you're just kind of going for like getting credits uh this is about 12 ish and Mm -hmm. if you go all the way you're probably going to be spending somewhere in the neighborhood about 20 i was right on the on the money at 20 Uh, probably would have taken me an extra hour if i hadn't cheesed a boss or two and and uh and cheated on the final puzzle um but a really, really lovely time playing this one. Again, you can find Tunic on uh, Xbox, on Game Pass, PC Game Pass. It's on Steam. 
and it's coming to PlayStation 4 and 5 on September 27th. Uh, so uh, get it there if you if you haven't. I don't know if I'd hold my breath to get this one on Switch if that was maybe what you were waiting for. Um, it doesn't look that complicated graphically in the initial screenshots, but uh, this is a game that I think benefits from a little more power. Um, I'd be surprised if this gets a port to the Switch. Uh, so I wouldn't hold your breath on it and I'd jump on it on whatever platform uh, it is out on or will be out on soon that you want to. Um, it's uh, 30 bucks on pretty much all of the places or uh, free on Game Pass if you have that. And uh, any last thoughts before we jump into spoilers? Have fun. This is rad. Do really ask questions is. on Discord. And- yeah, if you need uh, if you need low, uh, low spoilery hints, uh, come ask us on Discord. We're happy to chat. I also want to say, don't get used to us covering games this long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I felt bad that I was like, ask me questions about Tunic. And then I got sick for a week. It was not available. Like I, I was on vacation and then I was sick. So people would t- ask me questions and I'd be like, I'm in an inner tube or <laughs> I'm deathly ill. So um, you betrayed people- me, Laura. <laughs> It's all, it's all good because actually a lot of the times I would ask a question on the Discord and I would get no answer and then I'd come back to it three hours later and I immediately figure it out and then I mm-hmm. felt smart and then Yay. I felt like I don't need you Laura I never yeah, did you did I've grown past you now you have you can be the puzzle master Reagan <laughs> surprisingly enough um, before we uh, hit the spoiler break folks might be hopping off here so here's the outro you can find our show on Twitter at or sorry you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net you can find our contact form there we've had a couple of nice emails from folks lately thanks please send us them uh, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game and of course you can find us on Patreon our show is one 100% supported by listeners. The money that you give us uh, on Patreon directly pro- uh, goes into the running of the show. We spend that money on hosting for the show. We spend it on replacing and upgrading equipment so that we don't sound so bad and so that I can edit the show faster. All of that kind of stuff. Uh, occasionally, we buy games with that money, but mostly we buy them out of our own pocket. You are mostly hearing every dollar you spend on Patreon is a dollar that you hear in the audio of this podcast. Uh, I hope that makes a difference to some of you. Um, but also... Uh, the Patreon gives you access to our Discord, which is where we talk about games like Tunic and provide uh, a great service to people who might need hints. So uh, come join us there. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And here it is, your spoiler break. So the experience that I really wanted to talk about before the spoiler break was how I kind of stumbled my way onto the solution to a puzzle that's called the, well, I didn't even know at the time, I still haven't found the page that hints me at this, but it was called the Holy Cross puzzle. Um, so the, the, <laughs> the as we had discussed the game um a little bit on the discord, a couple of people had made reference to like holding the a button. There are a few things like it, it's very easy to miss, especially early in the game that like, if you hold down the a button, which is used for lots of things from like attacking, running, or actually not the dodge, not attacking, roll, yeah. dodging, dodge roll. Um, you know, if you, if you hold it you, while moving, you'll run stuff like that. Uh, but if you stand stock still and hold it, you, you kind of, 
taken for just long enough that you never do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like for for a full half a second. Like it, you're never you're never gonna do that on your own. But uh, with just enough of a prompting that I like did that, I was like, oh well, this has got to be for something, right? So I was starting mm-hmm. to like, well, what is this? Yeah, it's it's a cute animation, by the way, too. You uh, your your little uh, fox kind of. I'm not sure if he's kneeling or sitting down, but it's I kind said of like he a prayer. It's thing. pray, meditate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And um, so this is useful for a few different things. And I guess you'll kind of discover a few of these as you go. Um, I think the first use for it that I found was the um, entrance to the hero's grave. Because I was Mm. like, oh, well, obviously, I'm going to take a knee at the statue, right? So I did that. And poof, I'm teleported to some other dimension. You've been dissolved. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And, you know, there's these like teleporter pads and things like that uh later on but the whole time i had been staring at these doors you see them from the very beginning of the game there's doors with a little zigzag pattern on them Mm -hmm. like a little parallel uh zigzag pattern and you see a kind of a ziggy zaggy it's it's just generic enough that you could write it off as a as a stylistic architectural motif because it basically is that it's it's in every like every practically every screen has one of these like ziggy zaggy squiggles on it somewhere. And, um, but I was sitting at those doors like, well, maybe, maybe holding a gets me through the door. Well, no, it doesn't do that. And I don't know why, like, I was just like thinking, Oh, maybe I do the zigzag from the thing on the D pad. Doodle, 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 And the door opens and you're like, and I was like, Whoa, that was it. Holy shit. And so I'd open it. I was like, is that for sure? What did it? I, I was like, so I got the thing out of there and I was like, okay, let me run around and try it somewhere else. That the first one I opened, uh, gave me first notes page, right. Mm-hmm. And the notes page, uh, was I didn't like, find that until much later. That was like, th- that one was like, okay, now I get it. And the notes page had on it, um, like some handwritten notes about spells that you can do with this. So there's, there's things you can do. You'll hold down the button. I think I took some, I had to literally write some of these down because they're like too long. Me too. Yeah. And some of them are really hard to do. You'll hold down the button and enter a series of up, down, left, and right. Input. You don't have to hold down the button. You don't? No. Nope. I thought you, you can do it anytime just with the D-pad. Oh, okay. I thought you had to be crouching for this. Nope. Well, whatever. Uh, so you don't, you don't have to not be crouching. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought for sure I had to crouch for this, but I guess not. You can do it on the run. There was a couple of them that there's a there's a spell you can do to refill your health, and I use that on the run. Oh man, I I wish mm. I had figured that out. I did figure out the the health spell because that was on that first notes page. Uh, but there's there's a visual language to these that is then going to be like much more apparent to you all throughout the world. And this is where I start to compare the puzzle of this game to like the witness, where you started to see the puzzles like in the terrain and in the world, like there'll be a, a open field of flowers and like the, the, if you were to connect the dots on the flowers, it would form one of these zigzags mm-hmm. uh, that you can put in or uh, like, you know, all kinds of different ways, like worked into tapestries in the Piles architecture. On the Did you guys do the one in the save file? No. Uh-uh, no. Tell so me at some point in the game, a mysterious save file will show up with a, like that you didn't make. 
Oh, no. I never saw this. And if you go into that, you're in a room you've never seen before, and there's a random maze in it. And if you go through, like, I, I was just wandering through this maze, and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a code. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Like, th- that's one. Like, that was so rad. And we didn't know what the golden cross code was at the point. And we were just, like, wandering around in this maze in the save file. And then I was like, later on, when I found my first example of this, I was like, that's what the save file was. I mean, there's also one where there's, like, there's a a room with a wall and there's ones on the wall behind it, but they're both partially obscured. And if you look at both of them together and you draw Uh it on paper, but like the one that really blew my mind was the, the extra save file. I was like, what is (laughs) happening? I didn't even see that. That's so good. That's incredible. Uh, Yeah. And I didn't find that at all. Um, so uh, I want to mention one thing about this that like in case it's not obvious because it didn't hit me until I'd been until I'd already figured this puzzle out for quite a while is that like the Holy Cross is the D-pad. I kept yeah. thinking that the Holy Cross was the shape that you were drawing with the D-pad, which is why I then didn't apply it in these other places where you notice it. But like yeah. it has this sort of meta element of it where it's it's almost as if like the you know within the world they worship the player who has access to the holy cross the the cross and it this didn't strike me until i was literally looking at my steam deck and thinking oh the holy cross it's there just next to my analog i think in the very middle of the manual is a two page drawing with the fox kneeling and an up down left right arrows drawn Mm -hmm. in front of a golden door so like they only i only got the right page of that which does not give you the fox or no gives you the door but it doesn't give you the fox or any of the like text of the page so it's a lovely picture (laughs) well there's no yes this whole thing yeah Uh, there's a million of these there's a ton of secrets there's like a there's a place where like a rootling is wandering in a shape and his path is a code um there's like a 3d maze up a tower behind a hidden wall there's so many of these yeah and many of them like will unlock hidden doors where you can you know give you access to to items but there's there's a whole extra element that i didn't realize was even there until i was pretty close to the end of the game which is like um you can do these things and it will uh it will release a chest that releases a fairy and there's like a, a, a you can release a certain number of these fairies uh to eventually it's part of the end game yeah several of them are fairy you, you have, releasers. Yeah, you have to um yeah. you have to there's there's about 20 fairies in the game that you have to that you can release and you have to release at least 10 of them in order to get the quote unquote good ending we'll talk about the two endings in a little bit yeah there's a million of these and they're all fun like this is when i was really like like enjoying the like random puzzle bullshit uh, because like, it's, it's really fun. You're like, I, I was on, um, I got to a point where I had the three mid, like almost in game bosses. Um, and I had beaten the siege engine and I was like, I had the librarian and I had the boss scavenger and I was just like, not at a level to beat them. So I was just exploring. So I was running around getting new things to level up and just doing all of these puzzles for probably two or three hours because I didn't want to fight the bosses. So we're really focusing on the puzzles here. Let's talk about the bosses for a bit. Yes. I actually thought the bosses were pretty good. Like, which was your favorite? My favorite boss uh, was, I mean, I'm going to go with, 
the librarian on top of the tower. Oh yeah. Such a good setting and like really cool. I loved the librarian boss. Uh, my favorite, I have to say was probably the boss that I cheesed the most brutally. Um, I, you know, I, mostly I just sort of got good on these bosses and they what had do you to, consider a cheese, a che- cheese of a boss. Cause these bosses like, sure. There are ways to like little bit like, there's, make it yeah, easier. there's like, a, there's, uh, there's a whole gradation to these, right? You can do, uh, we didn't talk about these, like, the tags or cards or whatever that, like, are mods for your character. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're also completely unlabeled. Like, even if, even once you do get the page that gives you some of their names, doesn't really tell the you what else really tell No, you. it's great. Um, things like tincture. It's like, well, what does that do for me? <laughs> um, the So, I, I think uh, a cheese strap for me is... Anytime that I have a way of fighting the boss that doesn't directly engage in its um, sort of intended combat mechanics and phases. So the one that I was mentioning before that like I completely cheesed is there is a rat scavenger boss that's at the bottom of the, the quarry area. He's kind of like a big like roadhog type. He's like a, you know, a big rat with a weird gas mask. Um, and you cross across a little uh, sort of disappearing bridge onto a little pedestal where you fight him. It's pretty close quarters. Um, and I was getting my, uh, my butt handed to me. Um, and I was trying to figure out like you do in these games, whether you, whether I could snipe him from afar with the, uh, with the fire rod, because that's what you do with, you know, if you've got a boss that you can see before you walk up to him, of course you want to see if you can, if you can do some, you know, put some dents in his, in his armor before he activates. Right. But I realized that you could, uh, go out onto, well, I was like edging towards him trying to find a firing solution or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up realizing that like you can activate the boss and quickly dash back across the bridge and have this whole trough or trench or whatever in between you. So he's just <laughs> sitting in there like trying to, trying to hit you and he can't. Um, and then now that if, is some high quality cheese, right? That's some cheese. And then the real cheese was that you've got this great, like grappling hooky thing, the magic orb. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, no, if you, you time it right, you can magic orb him while he's jumping and pull him off of the platform. And he immediately falls to his death. <laughs> That was one of my favorite things in this, like, moves in this game is, like, yeah, th- so obviously they give you this, this like, grappling orb. The main use of it is, to, like, get you across, like, to use it on grapple points and get you in, into new areas. This is one of those. Uh, oh, but it's incredible for combat, too. It's so good because <laughs> it's, like, you can completely body people right into pits. And, like, <laughs> and not just that, but like it, so much of, of Souls type of combat is like about poise, right? Yeah. But if every time you grapple somebody, it, it brings them to you and it breaks their their yep. stance or whatever. Uh-huh. So you can This usually... was really good with that librarian because the librarian, mm-hmm. you're on top of the tower and she is hovering like away from the tower outside of your reach. But you could be just like, yoink. Yoink, slap, slap. you're mine. But see, I actually, I was doing that, which I think is the quote unquote correct way to be the librarian. And then I realized at some point, librarian won't attack you when there's like, it summons a bunch of enemies. And then once you kill all but one enemy, it'll start attacking you again. Mm-hmm. So I killed them down to two enemies, avoided the enemy, and kept hitting. Oh, 
yeah. kept hitting the librarian oh, while it wasn't attacking me <laughs> and then like ate some blue fruit to get my mana points up because you, you aren't getting any mana. So I just kept like or like shooting him with a fire rod or and like <laughs> running around. Like that's how I finally beat it. And I was like, you know, I don't feel great mm-hmm. about this. I think I was supposed to be like hooking him in or like that's what I was doing. And I was like, this is the correct strategy. But I feel I'm like very anything bad at that it. works in this game is. And I was like, strategy. I feel smart for figuring out it won't attack me as long as there's other enemies yeah, there. Why not? Like that's this is this is a game about like discovering and exploiting the mechanics of the game, and like that's exactly what you're doing. I think yeah. the closest I came to cheesing a boss, I didn't. I, I think I fought most of them in a, a relatively according to Hoyle uh, method, but the giant siege engine boss. Mm-hmm. Um, like his weak point was his like glowing nutsack hanging out the his, back. You said that I was like his butt. <laughs> Got to hit him in the butt. Uh, and and so what I what I was doing was hitting him with the ice knife to like freeze him, and then getting behind him and then just unloading an ungodly number of bombs directly up his butt. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you could really yeah, bombs are always an option if you're really stuck on something in this game. I like yeah. that that's yeah. there. You I would just run under him bombs. and stab him in the butt as many times one as the, I could. One of the things I really like that this game does bombs in particular or like these kinds of. Cons- so you mentioned this game is super generous with its consumables. Um, the the most generous that it is, is the bombs. It, at some point in the manual, like one of the longest English sentences is like, like using bombs uh, use a lot of them to get a reward. And I'm like, okay, great. I, I love that. So I did. Uh, and the more you use the bombs, the more a, um, uh, there's like a number that shows up next to the bombs and I got it as high as five. It basically refunds you at that point, five bombs every time you die. Mm -hmm. So you, at that point, I basically had stopped running out of bombs and bombs became like a real mainstay, even though they are a consumable, like you have to be a little careful with them because you can fully spam them. You can like wail that button, bam, 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 bam. And then they all blow up. Uh, but the, the generosity of that and the, uh, just the coolness of it. I just really like that. The, the, the way that this game handles, but I, even so I could not overcome some of my, like, my precious items tendencies as a gamer. Yeah. I am the guy who mm-hmm. will get to the end and will be like, yes, no, I beat the game and I have 12 Phoenix downs. <laughs> I didn't want to eat any of that blue fruit. And then I blew it all in the librarian because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I hadn't been using it the whole game. And I was like, this is so I can beat this boss. Like, this is I, what it's here for. <laughs> I had like a few of that, like decoy item. And I still have not used one. Cause I'm like, I only have three. I don't know yeah. what it, uh, I assume it's a decoy. The banks of the fox yeah, they, that, that you just throw on the they're, ground in it. Oh yeah, those are those are silly because like that, like I thought those must be some kind of cool item, right? Um, and so I tried one during a boss fight because I was like, <laughs> surely this is going to be something cool, right? Yeah. I don't want to use these just anywhere. I've got to use it during a boss fight. <laughs> and I tried it. It's like, you got 20 coins. It's just a piggy bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a way to have have uh, have loot that you can't lose when you die. You know, you d- mm-hmm. and that's another. Did y'all example do the, of the coins of the fountain too? I yes, did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, that unlocks Honestly, more. Honestly, uh, I yeah, it unlocks slots. more. Yeah, uh, slots for those things. That that was very obscure for me. I was like, what on? What the hell am I doing with these? Uh, but before before I figured out that you could put the coin in the well, I discovered another use for the coins, uh, which is when you when you if you use the coin and you're not next to a well, you like flip it. 
like you do a little coin flip. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do the coin flip, um, it makes enough noise that most of the enemies on screen that are like within like a little more than half of the screen of you are going to see you and run at you. Oh, so, oh. so it's actually a really effect until I got the, um, uh, the fire rod to like shoot lasers and be a little more specific about which enemies I was trying to aggro. The coin was my best way to do that. So I was actually using the coin a lot, um, especially <laughs> when I was up against those like uh, alligator dudes, because you That's would really just funny. hang out near them and like flip the coin and, and the closest one would run at you. You're like some cool greaser in the court. I know. Like <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. For the longest time, I thought that was what the coin was for. And I was like, I got a second coin. I was like, oh, well, there goes that theory. <laughs> that's that's really but that's the fun thing about this game is like being really sure that you figured out what something's for and then being like nope that's not right yeah the um uh i want to talk about the final boss um because the ending of this game like you've you know it builds up to like you've finally unlocked basically all of the map and you you've figured out how to use the weird teleporting pads and uh pretty early in the game you can teleport to this area where there is just a uh, a floating sword um and i should also mention that earlier in the game uh you will have encountered uh a sort of caged larger kind of grown-up elongated fox um that you know the, the the story of the game such as it is seems to be like oh well i'm here to rescue this fox but then the, the final boss of the game is the fox oh da 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 um and uh, there's some lore here that it's hard to decipher because of the uh, because of the language situation. But, you know, I believe we're here to like uh, free her. But you're very similar to the sort of two endings of um, Hollow Knight. You have a choice between freeing her via like fighting her or doing a whole bunch of puzzles and unlocking a different ending. So I was going for the I went to the initial ending of, well, let's let's kick her ass. Let's kill her. Um and she's a really, really, really hard boss, like harder than any other in the game by a long shot. A quick lore note on who this person is. So you have at the very beginning of the game, you walk into a tunnel, which is echoing the Zelda cave with a sword and you op- the chest is open and it's like someone's already taken this. Um, and you've been seeing um. a hero's grave and you've seen all these fox shrines. So you like this fox symbol has been built up, but you're like, you don't know if the hero... And the fox are the same person. And then you, before you get in this fight, so you've gotten a lot of imagery. You like yeah. know the fox is in the cage. Like it's unclear if the if this is a god or if it's the hero or what. So you've you've you kind of know what you're in. But then, um, guess what? It's an unwinnable fight the first time. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and she kills you. And there's that whole great sequence where you've been depowered and you're a ghost and you have to go around collecting things in order to like power yourself back up. Man, I really liked the sort of psych out with the keys. Um, the, you know, you have to collect three keys and then you collect the third key. You go put it in the place where the keys go and you get a, um, you get an achievement that says, what now? And, nothing and then happens. you just wander. <laughs> well, on that one, I, I think I got immediately, I was like, that's the thing, because I got fast travel very early. I figured out the yellow pads from a page in the manual. Like, that was one of the little things I, like, I think I clicked really f- quickly on. So I had been trying to go to that. Like, I'd gone to an area, and it was just empty. And I kept trying to go to this area, thinking it was going to unlock. Every time I did something new, I was going to this area. So I was like, finally! And I go there, and there's a sword. And I was like, finally, something in this area. So... 
I was all psyched to go here, and then of course you immediately die. So, so we're fighting this this uh, this you know elder fox, this tall fox. By the way, if you go in the manual, you don't get a lot of text in English, but you get this sort of backstory of a long, long time ago, civilization dot 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 holy cross dot dot dot. You see some pictures of foxes like you know doing some kind of magic, the power to defy death. A terrible power arises. Hero dot dot dot. Cathedral dot dot dot. The world is thrown into ruin. Uh, a prison and a beacon. You see the imprisoning of the fox that uh, that you seem to be here to free. Uh, blah blah blah. Heir to the heir, awaiting a goal, a worthy successor. The golden path. You know, you get these little little like dribs and drabs of of words. Um, so when you finally go and fight her, because like you go back to you 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 know you go to free her and she's not there. Um, you know, you've put in these keys. You think, okay, now finally I can unlock her prison. You've unlocked her prison and she's out. Where has she gone? Uh, and she's gone to the top or to this, like, you know, this sort of, um, uh, arena where you've seen the hovering sword before she's got the sword now and you have to fight. And, um, it's a really, really good boss fight. Um, I, it was, it seemed almost impossible to me. She's a fast mover. Um, and then I discovered a uh, a cool synergy, uh, yet another really cool synergy. I had to discover this. I didn't get the the, the manual page that it, that kind of gives you this until way too late, and so I had to discover this by skimming YouTube videos. So I will admit that I kind of cheesed here a little bit, um, but it's boo, a very cool. Boo. I know, I know. It's man. a very cool solution, which is that you can um, combine the ice knife and the fire rod into a single weapon by hitting if you map them both to buttons and you hit both of the buttons simultaneously like if you hit you know just two two buttons on your on your controller at the same time then it does rather than doing a fire bolt it does an ice bolt that can freeze enemies at a distance and it uses almost no uh mana or whatever the blue stuff is called um and by using that and some careful dodges um it made the fight with her pretty trivial, like pretty easy to, to beat um, because you could freeze her quickly go in and get three or four hits. She unfreezes and, and like throws you halfway across the arena, but doesn't actually do any damage to you. Then you have to just dodge her a couple of times and, uh, and repeat. Um, and uh, once I figured that out, like it was, it was still a really fun and cool boss fight, but it was a lot easier than it had initially seemed. Um, and then you get basically a game over uh, like it, you know, you, you defeat her, uh, and she, uh, she dies or dissolves and you get put into her prison, uh, at the end and you get a game over screen. Um, and that could have been the end of the story. Uh, but there is this whole other set of puzzles. And again, the manual tells you this. If you find enough pages, you get a, a page where it's, you've got one page that says like, um, take your rightful place and it shows you fighting her. And then there's another page. If you find that one that says share your wisdom and it's clearly like the alternative. If you find all of the manual pages and bring the manual to her instead of your sword, uh, you can get the good ending, um, which I had a lot of fun doing. Like I, I don't usually get completionist about things like collectibles and the idea of collecting all 50 some odd manual pages didn't seem that appealing to me initially because I wasn't out here thinking I was going to like translate the thing. Um, but I'm glad that it, you know, it does sort of tell you like you do have to find all of these pages and there's a really good reward at the end, which is you get to skip the final boss and get a nicer ending. So this is a great example of something 
we usually hate done right. Uh, like mm-hmm. collectibles are, I always flash back to the, one of the most egregious examples, uh, big fan of the original Batman Arkham game. Uh, oh God. there were hmm. like 200 freaking Riddler trophies in that. And like 90% of them to get it, it would be just like, Oh, you've got to crawl backwards on this ceiling. And uh, yep, you got it. And your reward for getting it is like a number goes up in your menu and you hear the Riddler comes on your radio and says like, ah, you got another one of my trophies. Yeah. The same voice line you heard for the last 50 trophies. Um, These are. When a game is generous, it is giving you something that the designers and the developers and the artists have poured a lot of time and energy and love into. And you can tell that the time that you have spent to get the thing or to do the thing is being rewarded with um, kind of more of what you love about the game. And especially with something that, that people have invested their love into as well. And this is a great example of that. Like I've said that probably my favorite designs and art in this game are in the manual it is both like the the, every time you get a manual page you have that feeling of like am i going to discover a new secret because of this because the manual is such a so packed with hints and clues and it's just also such a beautiful piece of art like i can't think of a better collectible in a game than these manual pages i mean I just was pulling up my saved pictures and I was like, oh, right. There was a memo page where they have a drawing of the windmill and you saw that you find out that the windmill yeah. is a, um, that, so oh, that one. I, yeah, that one, I would never have figured out if they didn't have like that little illustration in the manual. And, oh, that was, that was a, that was a weird one. I had to, I had to take a lot of notes to get that one to work. Does it ever reveal who the, uh, who the shopkeeper is? Like what the hell's going on with that shopkeeper? I don't know. But like, man, also the like weird lore of like going down in the quarry and seeing all those like desiccated fox people. I was just like, there's some weird stuff in this game that we haven't even mm-hmm. touched on. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah, I, area I would like to translate like- that uh, the manual just to read those first few pages where it tells you the story, because I bet you there's some context there. Um in fact, I know there are like translated versions of the manual out there, and maybe I'll just go uh, look one up on the web it, rather than trying to bother with that myself. So it's phonetic characters, not alphabet, guys. Wow, that's tough. Yeah, to that's translate. wild. That's that's, that's when I decided hard. I was not going to continue because, <laughs> despite learning the phonetic alphabet and being like, because it's com- combinations of glyphs, right? So mm. when you you're seeing words, you're like, there's fewer characters. It's because they're combining two or more phonetic, like into a sound. Ah. So it's phonetic sounds. So technically, if you get like page like fifty something, like, and then one of the memo pages has all the phonetics out. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) that's what's happening. Like it's the same number I think as phonetic alphabet or something like that. And I made the jump and I was like, Oh, I'm not going to translate. So I don't think it's a problem if you want to like, especially after you finish the game or you finish the game to your satisfaction to look it up. Like this is not something that I personally think is worth your time to translate, but if you have fun with it, 
be yeah, my guess. I think this would have been like, it would have been really fun if you were like part of the ARG experience of figuring this language out when the game was out in its first week. And but what I would have done me, is I would have been like, oh shit, it's phonetics. It sounds, everybody, it's combinations of two or more letters. And then I've let everybody else do the translation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then take the credit. <laughs> and then like, ah, um, super yeah. fun that that exists. Um, uh, but the idea, my understanding um, for what I was able to translate and from what I was able to gather is that like, the air, like the, there's the air to the air is what you get if you find all the pages and you share your wisdom. Is like you actually become the true, like you break the cycle and it's like a never ending cycle of the hero like depletes and a new hero rises and kills the hero and takes their place. Yeah. And, and like, so you're breaking the cycle. Well, um, I don't know if there's much else to say about this game. I, I had a lovely time with it. I'm glad we spent the extra time. I know it's, you know, it's a, it's a sort of a double length game for us. Um, but we had, you know, I had some extra time because we were covering Immortality. And man, this has been a good couple of weeks. Immortality was so good. This was so good. I don't know how we're ever going to follow this up. Uh, whatever we play next, it better be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting a lot of pressure on whatever that is. Listeners, if you have a suggestion for a game that we should be playing, uh, we are always all ears. We have a suggestions channel on our, our Discord. And of course, you can drop suggestions on our website or on our Twitter, uh, whatever works for you. Um, I think we'll leave it here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. And uh, see you soon.